that I saw, um, just the title of it really is what grabbed my attention, not the article itself, but um, can re- the, the, article, the title was, Can Rejection Be Good For You? I think that's the gist of it. Can Rejection Be A Good Thing? And so, I don't know, it just got me thinking and um, made me wonder, can rejection be a good thing? Do we need rejection in our lives? And, uh, and what does it build? Um, so uh, I wanted to bring it up. Um, off the bat, do you guys think rejection is a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I know that rejection hurts. Um, and the thing that makes it an interesting question to ask is that it's probably something that we in our human nature try to avoid at all costs. You know, we want people to be, to be our friends. We want to be accepted um, we want our ideas to be accepted. We want to feel important. And yet we all face at some point um, rejection. And it can be especially hurtful when it's somebody close to you that shoots down your ideas or doesn't like um, what you're doing and, and corrects you. Um, but what makes it especially important to discuss, I think, is that I, I would believe that Jesus made it very clear to his disciples that they would suffer rejection. And he prepared them and tried to steal them in advance to, to be able to face that. Um, and therefore, it is something that, that we need to look at. So the question of whether it's good for you or not, um, I think has to be framed around the fact that we will experience rejection. And it can be good for us if we know how to handle it properly. And it can be devastating for us if we don't handle it properly. I agree, and I also think that the topic of rejection and, you know, is rejection good for you? Uh, I think one of the reasons it's so important to talk about something like this from time to time and to keep it out there, you know, as a talking point when encouraging one another, you know, where Scripture says to encourage one another daily and all the more as you see the, the day approaching, is because I think that that fear of rejection is one of the things that has caused the church to be somewhat impotent in spreading the gospel or advancing the kingdom of mm. God. Yeah, you know, we, we talk a lot about being a missional community, and you know, we're trying to get our legs and figure out you know how exactly to mobilize uh, the Great Commission, what it looks like for us, you know, individually and for us as a church here at Cornerstone, and I think that that one of the things that is the biggest hindrance to spreading the gospel, telling our stories, uh, declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness and his marvelous light, is that fear of rejection. So I think it's a stronghold. I think think it's a stronghold in the church, and I think that you kind of prophetically picked up a topic that I think is really important today. Um, when I think of rejection, it's really, I don't know, just off the top of my head, I think of like, 
There's Christian rejection, like rejection in the faith, and it seems like there's rejection in everything else. Um, and I think they are can be very different. But I do agree with you automatically, um, Matt, especially saying now, as a human being, we strive for acceptance. And the opposite of that is rejection. And so, and, and you can see it in any public... I don't know, uh, any kind of society platform of whether it's school or a business or anytime people are together, it seems like you have people wanting to be accepted. Um, whether, I mean, no one comes out and says, I want to be accepted. Um, but that's really what's going on. Um, anyway, I just, I just really, um, identified with that, that I do acknowledge that I see that pretty much everywhere. But then when we think about it on, on, the, on our faith and, and what we believe, I kind of, and this is the way I kind of roll, is that I expect to be rejected. I just, you know, well, and like you said, you know it's, it's going to be there. But even more so with, I know my personality, I can get along with anybody, but I know what I believe is not going to get along with anybody. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I expect it there. I know that I'm not going to win every battle. And therefore, I kind of go into talking about it almost, I don't want to say cowering, but just expecting pushback whenever I'm talking to people about it. Just expecting, especially outside the church or someone that portrays that they aren't on the same wavelength, or that I just pick that up. But, um... So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or out of habit or but that's the way it Well I think it's a logical thing. I, I think that the truth, the gospel message is offensive to people because it confronts them uh, challenges them in the areas that they that they think are important. You know, and you, you have to be willing to lay the lay down your own pride and lay down your own thoughts and your own desires and pursue God. And that's a challenge to some people and it is offensive and the truth, the truth hurts, uh, frequently. No, I need to take this. And I think the prime example of the, of the truth hurting and, and being offensive is that Jesus himself was rejected over and over again by the people that were close to him, um, by his, the town he grew up in, by the the people that he came to save, and they ultimately uh, wanted him dead rather than listen to, to his message. And I remember hearing um, Francis Chan, who I enjoy listening to, say one time the most profound thing, and that, that we're called to be like Jesus, but we don't really want to be like Jesus. We want to be a more popular version of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's friend who everybody listens to. But that is, I mean, if, if Jesus was rejected... As the son of the son of God was rejected by people, we shouldn't expect anything better. Yeah. But, yeah. I think one of the things that will help us work through this idea of turning the rejection that we inevitably will encounter into something that will help us rather than hurt us has to do with our mindset, you know, with our paradigm, with you know, like what you said already, John, uh, and Matt, number one, we will suffer rejection. So we just got to know that. <clears throat> one of the things that, one of the 
principles I think is important. I'll read this verse in a second, but it's the idea of when we're hurt, oftentimes you've heard the phrase hurt people, hurt people, you know? So if, if we're hurt because we're rejected, then oftentimes we'll retaliate with some kind of a, you know, either we'll see it coming and we'll, we'll get the preemptive strike out or, you know, or we'll respond in like kind and, you know, and that's, that's gotta, that's got to be bad for us, whether it's in, if it's in business and we get hurt because we tried something that didn't work, then we'll be frozen and we'll never be able to expand. Or if it's, you know, sharing the gospel with someone or sharing our lives opening up our hearts to people and then we're hurt by them and rejected by them, then we'll become cynical and never, uh, never open up to anybody. But there's a verse in, uh, in first Peter two, and it's talking about how Jesus, you know, uh, uh, in verse 21, it says to this, you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. So specifically when it comes to rejection, we can look at what he did. He suffered rejection. He suffered the hurt at the hands of people that he laid down his life for. And so we look at him and see the way he walked and we follow in those steps and the example that he set. <clears throat> and then it says what that example was. In verse 22, it says he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And to me, that's like, right away, I've got to be careful about what I say. Because when I'm rejected by someone, I want to tell everybody about it. You know what I mean? I want to gather my friends and family around. And did you hear what, did you hear what that guy said? Or did you, you know, we, we want to tell the story because we want to elicit sympathy because the only way, it seems like the only salve for rejection is to get a whole bunch of acceptance by our friends. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. <clears throat> so it says, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. It's like, that's got to be the first step. We just, we, we shut our mouth. You know, if we're hurt, we just need to just shut it, zip it, stop it. <clears throat> and then I love this verse, verse 23 says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. So, I mean, that, now that's rejection. Somebody hurling insults at you. It's one thing, somebody make a little snide comment or not agreeing with your idea or whatever. But when they start hurling, actually hurling, Hurling insults at you. Mm -hmm. He did not retaliate. And I've just got to realize, not only do I need to make sure there's no deceit in my mouth, I shut it, I zip it, I stop talking about it, but also I don't retaliate. I don't reach out to try to hurt that person the way they've hurt me. And then it goes on, it says, when he suffered, he made no threats. So, so the, the third element there is, you know, not getting into a threatening mood. Well, if you do that again, I'm going to do yeah. this, you know. No revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no revenge. And then last part, which I think is so awesome, it says, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And some of the other versions bring out the idea that he submitted himself to God. And I think that if I, I know I'm going to suffer rejection, but if I want to make sure it helps me and not hurts me, I'm going to have to go through this process, which eventually ends with me totally entrusting myself to God, no matter what was said, no matter what, who did what or whatever, I am going to submit myself to God the way Jesus did. And not, yeah, not retaliating is a big part of that. Not feeling like you have to defend yourself. Yeah. 
I've, I've thought that about, like, false accusations. You know, Jesus did not try and defend himself when he was on trial. He kept his mouth closed. He yeah. was silent. Yeah. He didn't have to try and clear his name. Yeah. He trusted, and God trusted in his own reputation, trusted in the example that he had set to be enough. Yeah. Didn't feel like he had to um, win everybody over again yeah. and prove himself right. And, and that's oftentimes our first inclination yeah is we want to prove ourselves to somebody else, show yeah. them how they're they're wrong and we're yeah. right. And that can be yeah. very difficult and dangerous. Yeah. And really, it's not what we're called to. We're, yeah. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Yeah. Which is uh, such a good point, especially if you're, like, called to be a leader, you know, yeah. in your church or at work or wherever you're a leader. It's like, oh, well, if I was a really good leader, then I would be able to rally the troops and rally everybody around me, you know? And so it's hard to fight that. It's it's part of that upside down world that Jesus rules. You know, it's part of that upside down kingdom, the juxtaposition of what truth really is. You know, where uh, we would think in the natural form, I need to rally everybody and give them a really good speech and really explain in intricate detail what actually was said and what actually happened, so that they can make their mind up to to not reject me. When in in essence, Jesus just laid laid it all at the cross. And that's no different than going to your friends because it's trying to gain acceptance. Yeah. Right. Uh, just on a different level. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's because, and why do we do, want to do that? It's because our pride is hurt, our, you know, our position is, is compromised yeah. or any of those things that are, ultimately, I guess, uh, you could argue they're just, it's just selfish. We, yeah. we feel bad and we're trying to make ourselves feel better. <clears throat> Instead of trusting in God, you know, and, and God does allow, he, he brings things to light. And so we don't have to, we don't have to force things to happen for our own ego's sake or, you know, conscience sake. We just have to trust that, that time will prove, our, uh, yeah. so, prove us right. Time will prove and keep, yeah. keep on trucking too. I think the opposite of reacting like that is to build fear in your life. Um, to where you won't, you are too afraid of being rejected in almost every step. And I've seen people today that go through life with a fear of rejection, um, nonstop. Um, and it's how, I mean, it, it, I think it'd just be a terrible way to live. <laughs> yeah. You know, looking into it and it's just, it's sad it really is. Um, and I, just as example, um, and I, I don't think this is fear running somebody's life, but I think that, because I've talked to a few people, I mean, correct me, Matt, but I've talked to a few people that didn't want to speak at Ecclesia, and I think, and it's because of a fear of rejection. And I, and Did they I say that, or are you just are you seeing that in there? I'm no, just curious. No, no, that's what I see. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why I'm, and it's multiple people. I'm not talking about one person. Um, but I, I can't, and that's why I already said correctly because I know I probably got it wrong. But I would guess that it would be a fear of rejection, at least out of somebody, um, because speaking in front of people makes you vulnerable, and it's not an easy thing to do. And it's not something that we all should have to do. And in no way do we have, or, you know, you're a bad person if you don't do it. But I'm just kind of, as we talk about this, I'm kind of thinking it. 
I mean, that's a big thing with people is speaking in front of people. And so it's just a, a go-to example. Um, but if we have a fear of rejection in front of people that should already accept us, doesn't that mean we have that much more of a fear of rejection outside of people that accept us? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you fear that those that are closest to you and have expressed the love for you are going to reject you, then yeah, it would make you very hesitant to reach out. Now, I don't know the people that or situations that you're talking about, but I think in general it's an interesting point. Um, uh, just that fear of being in public and being embarrassed, you know, making right. being made. Uh, or making a fool of yourself or, or something as an example of, of this type of rejection. I mean, it's a small thing and yet those small things make big differences in our lives because if you aren't willing to face that fear, whether it's a fear of public speaking or fear of getting on a plane, it ultimately has some kind of control over your life, some hindrance to what you do. Whereas we are encouraged in Christ to, to not be fearful and to put ourselves out there at the risk of our own pride, our own embarrassment, our own failure, um, and be willing to, to do something that might benefit somebody else as a result. So that kind of fear that stops us from doing something that we feel we should do or we feel called to do is probably should be considered sin in our lives and because it's it's very much against what God said. Now I'm speaking in general terms, not about specific people and why they do or do not right. want to speak in public. Let me give you another example. As a pastor, I'm constantly um, asked to help in situations. And when people call and ask for help, primarily what they want is money from from the church or from from me. You know, they all, there's so many needs out there, and there's a difficult battle that takes place because I want to be the kind of person that is willing to help and is not concerned about, well, what are they going to spend that money on or what, you know, what's, I want to know from the Lord, whether I should help somebody who's in need. And I try and pray that way. Lord, should I help this person? Should I help that, that person? And when I feel that he should do it, I should then not second guess how they're going to spend it, whether they're going to be responsible to it. Because my job is just to do what God says. Their job is to do what God says and handle themselves responsibly as well. Right? So here's the here's where it gets tricky. I've been burned by people, and they've exploited my generosity and taken advantage of, of my help. And I've also seen people that have really embraced it, and it's it's made a difference in their lives. But if I allow the cynicism of the of the rejection and the manipulation and the the abuse to prevent me from ever helping somebody, then there's then internally something wrong has happened in my heart. Where if I'm not willing to put myself in the position where I could be abused or could be taken advantage of, then I'm not willing to help people. You know what I mean? Because the truth is. Everybody is going to reject you in some way, in some form. Everybody that you try and help, everybody that you try and invest in, everybody that you try and mentor, discipleship, they will make mistakes and they will let you down. They will disappear one day and you'll never hear from them again. Yeah. Yeah. So do we not do it at all? Or do we recognize that that's just part of the life that we, we are called to live? 
that we and take chance on people. We're willing to invest because this time might be the time yeah. that they learn yeah. their what they're supposed to learn. <clears throat> yeah. And if they don't blow it, then it's not my. It's, I didn't make a mistake. I don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. The uh, you recently in a message gave a real practical tip on that, and it impacted uh, my family because I have a little story that. Uh, Apparently, my daughter Jessica was out with her little, with her kids, my granddaughters Sienna and Rihanna, and one of the little girls pointed out that it was during the kind of the rainy time here, just recently in the last few weeks, and there was a hobo, as Rihanna calls them, hobos. I don't know where she got that, but she calls them hobos. Uh, was laying on a was laying out by a, you know, a dumpster. They went out, they were taking the back way around a, you know, store yeah. or something. And he was out and he was in the rain and just laying out there in the rain. And, and one of the, one of the little girls pointed out, I think it was Rihanna, pointed out, look, look, there's a, there's a man sleeping. He's laying, or he was probably passed out or whatever there. And Jessica said, well, remember what Pastor Matt said recently that we're supposed to ask uh, we're supposed to ask Jesus, is this the one? Is this the one? And so she said, so let's ask, so she said, Rihanna, let's ask Jesus, is this the one? What is Jesus saying? Rihanna says, no! <laughs> <laughs> no, Jesus said, no! <laughs> you know, I'm just like, you know, little kids can even get that concept, you know? Mm-hmm. So that when we find ourselves like what you're saying, we always ask ourselves in the beginning, not knowing how things are going to turn out, because we never know how things are going to turn out. If it's going to become a beautiful story or if it's going to become a horror story, we never know. All we can do in the beginning is say, Lord, is this the one? Whether it's sharing the gospel or sharing finances or whatever. And then like you just said, Matt, and then leave the results to God. Because that verse I read, that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Did he retaliate when they hurled their insults at him? No. Instead, he entrusted himself to God. And that's kind of what we're doing. You know, yeah. we just leave the results to God. Yeah. And sometimes he'll say no. No! Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he'll save you from getting yeah. into that situation. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and all that means is that it's somebody else. Somebody else is being asked to take care of that. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. Because not, there's not one of us that can handle everything, but, no, but because we handle what we have been asked to take care of. For example, you're talking about giving, you know, benevolence and that kind of thing. And even Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. I mean, every place you go, there's going to be people with their hand out, and sometimes you'll help and sometimes you won't. Yeah. 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 We just uh, recently, we just recently, here's, here's another little anecdote, little story, uh, we're, we're down at the Irish Fair, our family, and we've been out there all day, so we're kind of tired, and we're going back to the car, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, it's downtown, and we've parked in the, you know, main library down there, and, you know, there's mostly just kind of homeless people mulling around, around, you know, hitting people up as they come back to their car. So this obviously homeless man comes up and and uh, kind of approaches Jessica and says, uh, "We're all getting kind of getting into the car, packing the stroller in and stuff." And says, 
Well, looks like it's gonna rain today. And so Jessica, trying to be nice, just says, yeah, yeah. And I look down and I see the looks on the little girl's faces and you could tell he was scaring them. You know what I mean? And I see Jessica, the mom, kind of, you know, moving them toward the car doors and struggling with the, I want to be kind to this man, but he's kind of creepy and he's kind of scary. And he's kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of scaring everybody. And I guess the short story is, uh, I had to kind of step in with this with this homeless man and make it clear that he was frightening the children and to please move along, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know this is maybe a little a little off topic, but. I thought of Matt's words. Is this the one? You know, because we had talked about it, and I knew right off this this was not the one. In fact, I needed to almost take a protective stance because he started getting creepier and coming through the car, and he started making comments to Jessica that went beyond, oh, it looks like it's going to rain. You know, where she tried to, you know, talk to him, then he started getting, like, confrontive with, you know... Oh, so you don't speak to strangers was one of the things he said. And so I had to tell him, no, it's not that. It's that you're scaring, you're scaring the children. So I would ask you to please keep it over. <laughs> and so he kind of rejected me and cursed me on the way away. On the way. But I did not retaliate. I just got Dude. in the car very said, Okay, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a real time example of that. You know? Yeah. Well, I do think that's important because uh I was just speaking of not allowing fear or cynicism to prevent you from helping, but there's nothing that says that we should also be a, 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 f- a doormat that people wipe their feet on yeah. over and over again. I mean, I think we have to have boundaries yeah. to protect our children, yeah. you know, to be responsible yeah. and to just pray that prayer of, of whether or not we should help this person. And then, and be clear about that. If it's no, let your yes be yes, yeah. and no be no. You don't have to worry either way. Um, but it, you know, the the battle will be lost if you don't can't find that that middle ground that between those two extremes of helping everybody to where it hurts you and not not ever helping anybody. You have to be somewhere in the middle, always speaking to God and being obedient to whatever He says and sticking to that. <laughs> Yeah, because unfortunately, one of the concepts we've, you know, laid out in the past is, you know, if you do something, or it takes doing something 50,000 times to get good at it, <laughs> unfortunately, the people that are out there living on the streets, they have done it 50,000 times, and they've gotten good at it, and they've learned that intimidation works sometimes, that uh, guilt and shame works sometimes with people, that intimidation and fear works sometimes with people, and they're just they're just trying to survive. So that survival inst- instinct kicks in, and you know, yeah, yeah. In fact, I've been with me before a few times. Yeah, say no, curse you out. Yeah, I actually know a guy that comes around to the church asking for money and. And uh, my wife looked in his car one day when I was talking to him, and I've learned not to not to give him 
um, anything. And she looked in his car and saw a script that he had printed off a website that told you how to what how what to say to churches. Yeah, and gave you like a formula to follow to yeah. you know that would help you push the right buttons to get somebody to help it's you. So sickening. <laughs> yeah. That's such a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the highest situation. You. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, yeah. But what we're talking about is rejection. Like, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you navigate that? We should be in the place where we are allowing ourselves to be rejected by some people. Otherwise, we're not fulfilling the gospel. Whether it's in sharing the message or in helping somebody in yeah. need. We have to be willing to put ourselves in a place yeah. where rejection is a possibility. That's, that's yeah. I, mean, I think that's a must. Yeah. yeah. You have to come, overcome and be put in the position of being rejected, and then even more so, acting Christ-like in the act of being rejected. Yeah. Yes. How you respond to it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, there's, we've gone through different things that could happen to you, one being fear and not putting yourself in that place again because we are human beings and we learn by you know you're, you're not going to touch the fire twice but yeah. we have to keep yeah. moving and keep you know yeah. putting ourselves in that position um, not with expectance of being rejected but just realizing that it's a part of life and then also um, other than fear there's the manipulation and the fighting back or yeah <clears throat> yeah I remember uh, there was one Sunday morning uh we had just started uh, doing the uh, Morning Glory Cafe in between services, I think, and we were laying stuff out. And I remember a, uh, a man who came in with his little child and was asking where the pastor was, and I saw Matt talking with him, and he was explaining that his family needed some food and they needed some money. He was asking for money, and it was so sad. He had the little child there with him, you know, which you found out later is kind of a prop, but he had the little child. I don't know if you remember this. And then, so I saw, it was so wonderful to see the people from our church all rallying. Oh, we can get this food together. And we had the leftover food that was, that we had all eaten. It was all fine for us. And we put it all together and people were making little packages and, you know, there was a lot of food going on there. And, and, uh, and he left, and we were all just kind of feeling good, what, you know, that we had helped somebody out that morning, and he kind of came back with the food, and he had gone back to his car, and his wife had said, oh, no, we're not going to take that. So so it was like, he brought it all back. It's like, I remember the feeling of rejection that came over the crowd. You know, it's like everybody was struggling with, wow, we just, we gave the best of what we had, you know, it was all fine for us, but yet... This was not what this person wanted. They obviously wanted, you know, cash, good hard cash. But uh, we we rebounded. You know, people just kind of encouraged one another. And I remember hearing people saying, you know what? It was our heart was to serve, and we responded positively. And you know, if they didn't want it, then that's on them. You know, and people were able to rise above that. You remember that? I do remember that. Yeah, it was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah. It's a good lesson, um, feeling that rejection, and I think a, another good point is to not bring that rejection on other people, because um, us as Christians have been in the past, have definitely rejected groups of people, and 
we need to know how that feels and um, mm-hmm. take that seriously. I mean, I think there is, we do need to reject certain things into our life very, you know, aggressively, but we also need to be accepting people. And uh, what, what were we talking about, James? I think it was last Wednesday when we were, ta- I don't know. We were talking about about tradition. Remember last week we were talking about is tradition a good thing or is tradition a bad thing? And we pretty much come up with the idea that tradition allows us to connect with our past and our heritage, which is a good thing. We're careful not to allow tradition to mandate you know, the things of the future so that we never break out of it, never do anything new and creative is kind of in my mind what I thought we would kind of That's a nice summary, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I remember when uh, we were in Haiti, Mary Grace was telling us about this person in the church that was super out there and was a visitor and just wasn't the norm in worship and singing extra loud. And, and she painted this picture of him dancing around and, you know, just doing things that would probably we would laugh at and be funny. But then she said, you know... At first, she was like, oh, you can't do that here. This is, you know, in her head, she, you know, battled what was happening. But after thinking through it, said, you know, if you're, you know, going to let your freak flag fly, this is, I mean, if that's worship to you, then you should be able to do it here. Now, obviously, I mean, we wouldn't want people to be distracted, but we should accept people. I don't know. That's, and that's what I'm getting at. You want, you know. We should expect rejection, but we should not reject others. Is that what you're saying? No, because at a certain point, okay. we do need to. I mean, yeah. rejection. Did you, did you see that, that thing that just happened? I mean, yeah. I, the feelings are really hurt. I don't know. At a certain point, we do need to reject don't others. <laughs> right? If, if, you're, if you have somebody, and we're just using church as an example, but you could use any platform, but in church, that is distracting. And, and oh, I see what you're saying. Bringing, you know moving, taking other people away from what they're trying to do, then we need to reject what they're doing. And even at a certain level, you could reject somebody, you know. Maybe a different way to say it would be, we're not rejecting the person as a person, but like we've, we've just recently covered 1 Corinthians 13, where everything was out of order in the gathering, in the church service. People were just talking and just, you know, doing all different kinds of things. And there's a responsibility for leaders to lead in a gathering like that, which is to not take control of people, but, you know, to bring order, to, to bring order into it. You know, and it's like, if you have a person who's wildly over the top out there, part of it might be just their exuberance and joy for God, which other people would sense, or there might be a little bit of a, Hey, everybody look at me, look at me, look at me, you know, which I think everyone would also sense as well. And, and even though the Bible says we can't know our own hearts even and, you know, what our motives are, there is a responsibility for us to guide people in the ways of truth and to try to encourage and strengthen them and move them in the direction that they should go. And hopefully we can learn how to do that without them hurting their feelings and make them feel rejected. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, kind of the test, figuring that out. 
However, it doesn't always go well. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And we have a responsibility to speak the truth in love. And, and so, you know, that is, we do say that. Mm. Try and if we need to correct something or need to bring clarity to something, we have a responsibility to it. But we have to do it in love. And so I think that that is trying to safeguard our attempt um, so that we're not, we're just conscious of the rejection that somebody else might feel as a result of it. And do our best to to know why we are saying it yeah. and and yeah. why it's important. Here's, here's two real time examples. Uh, once uh, up in Matt Rainier Christian Fellowship, it was called Praise Lord Fellowship at the time. I was on staff there and leading worship and stuff. And during the worship, we always allowed opportunities for people to prophesy, you know, or tongues and interpretation. We always allowed space for that. And there was one particular morning where we had a visitor among us, real prophet-looking cat was there. What's a prophet-looking cat? <laughs> you know, her- hermitage so with hermitage, and you know, kind of wild and crazy. You know, locust and honey, <laughs> locust and honey-looking dude. You know, <laughs> they call the horn. Yeah, the yeah. shofar or yeah. Maybe so, that the church with shofar. Yeah. yeah, watch out! You may want to <laughs> watch out. Watch out, everybody. You may want to blow that thing. <laughs> sure sit next to him. So, uh, you know, he stands up and he says, can I speak? You know, as leading words to service, yes, uh, please. You know, encourage and strengthen the body. And, uh, he starts right off with, in your, in your, you know, in your, in your gathering today and being in your midst, I see blood. And all of a sudden I realized, okay, this is not going to go well. And so he starts rambling on about all this blood he sees. And then it turns into a diatribe against the blood on the women that are in the church and all this kind of stuff. So, wow. so it was one of those things where uh, Harry Oldenburg was the pastor. Then he stood up and he said, oh, excuse me, brother. Excuse me, brother. I'm going to have to ask you to stop right now. And this guy just kept talking. And eventually, you know, a few elders and... Uh, it was it was it was a church you know of like lumberjacks and stuff. So we had a bunch of really gnarly dudes, you know, brothers in the congregation. A few of those guys kind of came around him and kind of just gently escorted him out. You know, did he feel rejected that day? Might have probably probably so. You know, <laughs> if, if if the internet had been as rambunctious as it is today, probably would have wrote about it and gone viral. Yeah, yeah, that would have been an awesome. YouTube. <laughs> and here's another one that happened. Uh, uh, it was during a time we were on, it was the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, we're on staff at Grace Chapel in, in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, in the midst of a worship service, some guy comes running up to the front and, you know, the, you know, it's a, I don't know how, it probably seats 1,200 people or something. It was packed. There was a lot of people there. Uh, Usually the pastors and their families are kind of sitting up near the front to be available to help and stuff. And anyway, this guy came up and uh, uh, there's a man there. Everybody knew him as Dad Castile. This guy is like probably not even five foot tall. Just the sweetheart of a man. He he is. He had a reputation of like he would hug you and kiss you and you know. And, and, 
And, you know, he, he, had, he exuded the love of God all the time. He was genuine. It didn't matter what you looked like or, you know, who you were. He always was hugging you and telling you God bless you and that he loved you. And just, you know, he was the epitome of God's love. Well, he, uh, this man came running down all willy-nilly in wildlife. And uh, Dad Castillo went to him, you know. Because he could tell this was not going to go good. So he wanted to go, uh, you know, with the love of God. And this guy spit in his face and punched him. And it was just like, oh my gosh, there was this, uh, again, (laughs) men retaliated. It's It's like men... From everywhere, just jumped on this guy, and he was it was it was like demonic, and so there were people calling demons out of him, and it was quite the Sunday morning. It was one of the, uh, <laughs> you know, it was it was it was one of those things that yeah, see that's what YouTube is here for, you know, and and there was this you know it's it's like one of those scenes where they're just you know. In arms and legs and biting him while people were trying to cast demons. Out yeah, of him. yeah, you know because because he just he, he had like demonic power. He all of a sudden went all superhero and weird and and it took about ten big strong guys to get him out. Now those things do happen. Did he feel rejected that day? Amen. Probably did, and I know that. We started this whole thing talking about rejection and dealing with rejection, and it has sort of segued into a new topic, which is keeping order in services. And I don't know exactly why it's going this way, but I, I think there's something to that. We just have to weigh it all out. That we want to, we want to lead, be have wisdom, and use love and acceptance and forgiveness to lead people. I think just the conversation has gone from that to being able to show that it's appropriate to reject, but we also need to know what we're doing when we do it, and to have grace in all things. Yeah, and and, you know, it's good, I think, to have a SOP, a standard operating procedure, like I'm sure we have one in the in the Cornerstone Handbook, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Here's this Cornerstone Handbook says if if a guy comes in and starts prophesying about blood, or spits at people, or hit, takes a swing at someone, here's what the usher should do. We've got that right. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're all ready to go. You're at, yeah yeah yeah. You're asking me. Yeah. Have we considered those yeah. things? Yes. John Campbell, go get him. Yeah. <laughs> Go get, go get Joshua, Joshua Smith. Yeah. But uh, throughout all of this, I just, I just feel it's important to stress that for an individual called to um, be a disciple or called to uh, represent Jesus, you have to be willing to be in the place where you might be rejected. If for no better reason, then otherwise you would never experience the breakthrough that you sometimes see in people's lives when. Yeah. When they really grasp the truth or they they embrace yeah. Jesus, yeah. if you're not willing to be rejected, then you're not going to be willing to discover those moments either. Yeah. Because you have to go find them. They're not yeah. just going to fall into your lap. Yeah. You, know, you have to go out there and seek it out. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the lesson. The lesson is you don't know how it's going to end up. Yeah. And then part of the lesson is oftentimes it's going to end bad. Yeah. But... That doesn't keep you from saying, this is the way I'm going to follow in Jesus' footsteps. 
I'm going to try to, I'm going to go into situations with my heart open, being led by the Holy Spirit, and along the line, make the decision which I feel God would have me make as I step through the process of it. Thank you. 